Hey, Jim, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good, John. How are you uh, this afternoon? Good. Uh, I'm great. Uh, Jim Lee is the chief of IRS criminal division and uh, kind enough to spend some time with us today. I know that um, you got your staff to uh, accept from the chief a what you've called a BSA challenge, a Bank Secrecy Act challenge, that you've uh, had an opportunity to talk to a bunch of different folks in the broad AML and media communities and you to talk to our, our clients and our community as well. So I wanted to kick it off by saying, A, why did you decide this was important? And tell us a bit about the project. Now, I, John, hey, first of all, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity here. I greatly appreciate it, as you know, um, in an effort for your you know, audience to absorb you know, some of the metrics that my divisions put together to you know, really demonstrate and you know, paint that picture of why Bank Secrecy Act data is critical you know, to law enforcement. And specifically, my division that I lead, IRS Criminal Investigation. And, you know, I, um, I thought this was important. I mean, financial institutions specifically, you know, have wanted a feedback loop, you know, illustrating the importance, you know, of all this reporting that's being asked of them for quite some time. And, and, and that's what I really want to talk about. I, I really consider this the division's, you know, first crack at delivering some of this feedback. So, right. so while I'm going to give you some you know, quantitative metrics here kind of illustrating importance, just as important as I know you have a, a very large and diverse audience. I just want to make sure that my comments, well, are heard by all financial crime fighters, but specifically those AML specialists out there in the financial institutions that are really doing this work and producing this BSA data. So I would say, you know, to start, you know, BS and, and why we did this, um, just, uh, other than the continuous feedback loop, you know, st uh, BSA data in general, all of it, it, it's not a, it's not a nice to have. It's right. a must, it's a must have in an effort to help identify, you know, those individuals that attempt to commit financial crimes, whether it be tax or other, um, and, you know, these AML specialists out there in general, they're really the ones that are, that are on like that first line of defense, you know, to, to, to detect, you know, this illegal and suspicious activity of financial crimes, you know, where there's a, where there's a lot of overlap. I mean, right. money laundering, money laundering is tax evasion in progress. And, and I, I always take the time to, 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 to say that, especially for who I work for. So I, I thought, you know, look, I'm trying to quantify this and trying to quantify some met, uh, metrics is so important that I challenged the team here along with, you know, subject, other subject matter experts, you know, within, you know, within the division, IRS, CI, along with some people from our IRS civil components, FinCEN, and then some uh, uh, private entities, uh, specifically Palantir and Deloitte, you know, kind of that public-private partnership setting, you know, to flush some of this information out that I have. Um, it's just I don't organize it, uh, you know, uh, in, in a way. So take the metrics that I have. Uh, the division has figure out how we can quantify this somehow, and that's what they did. Um, they they took a first of its kind look at how CI, an incredibly user of this BA data, uses it, and they came up with some great measurements. And you know, you might ask me, um, when you say BSA filings, you know, what are you what are you referring to? And I and I'm referring to all of it. I'm referring to 8300 reports, uh, CMIR reports. 
bars, of course. Right. Um, uh, CTRs at a casino. Um, F bars, referring to uh, SARs at you know banks, money service business, casino. I'm talking about all filings. You know when I when when we looked at these metrics that I'm going to speak to you about. Today. Now, now, Jim, the metrics go back to through um, fiscal year uh, 2022. So it's a snapshot in time, but it's the most recent snapshot in time. Is that right? That's right. I, I, I uh, the way it worked, I, I'm going to, uh, I've got a visual that I'm going to give to you and your audience. And I mean, it, it does cover fiscal year 22, but I actually do have averages, uh, you know, over the past couple of fiscal years. And it's just okay. the, the, tech, the new technology data our own data differently and that's why i'm able to do this great so let, let's talk a bit about that uh, about investigations that were opened by irsci you you talked about that they've which what's the percentage that originated from a form uh, bsa findings related to a primary suspect or subject rather um and then cases that were searched so give us a sense of of what your staff was able to come up with yeah, no, great. Um, so the first stat, uh, first metric that I, I, I mentioned, and this is um, this is going to uh, demonstrate some significance here. So about 15.8% of all the new investigations that my division put into inventory during fiscal year 22 came directly from a result of a BSA filing. And I just mentioned, I'm talking all filing. So that metric, that's new inventory, you know, kind of the, the, the definition that I, and that's brand new cases. It has nothing to do with the stuff I'm already working, but brand new inventory put in 15.8% came directly from a BSA form. So that is significant um, uh, because, and, and that's why it's a must have. And that's why I can say that with confidence for CI, because that accounts for a huge part of my inventory and it can't be overstated. Because when you when you think about how big the Internal Revenue Service is, and this is an enterprise of you know nearly eighty thousand people, right? Right. So um, for context, you know, I uh, only about five to seven percent of my inventory every year, new inventory year in and year out, comes from main enterprise. You know, in the form of tax and type, you know, type referrals. So, um, you know, it's a huge number, and, and and you know, your audience might think, well, yeah, but for context, where do your other investigations come from? And I mean, just to give you a little context there, um, uh, you know, somewhere between 27 and 30 percent comes from the U.S. Attorney's Office. 27 to 30 percent is from our other federal law enforcement and partners, you know, who we work with all of them. And then here it is. We've got, you know, about 15 to 16 percent is the agents, you know, hardworking case agents, just self-development. And then right. you've got this other, you know, 15.8 that I'm telling you in fiscal year 22 that come directly from BSA data. So incredibly powerful. Um, I think the so that's pretty easy. That's straightforward. That comes directly from the form. Right. But one other number I just throw at you that the team found um, you're not when your audience sees a visual, they're not going to see this because it's, it's kind of behind the scenes. But the BSA mission, you know, the Title 31 Bank Secrecy Act mission that I, I, uh, I actually we, we've actually looked at this and the team came up with another metric. It's pretty interesting the way we look at it. We can actually say in fiscal year 22 that the mission actually accounted for little bit north of 28% of all new initiations. You might say, well, how do you get that number? Well, 
I just explained the 15.8. That's direct. Mm-hmm. But think about, think about um, in addition to that, uh, to make, make up the difference between the 15.8 and the 28%. Um, you know, you know, we have these uh, uh, financial accident review teams out there um, and they identify targets during their review, you know, in all the districts that we're in and case development projects that they have within their respective uh, AORs. So think about think about the difference would be they're on these review teams. Um, they might start going down a path or following a lead. You know, maybe we're, and we might uh, target an individual where a form should have been filed, but wasn't. So somehow they're circumventing, you know, the financial institutions. I tie that to the BSA mission. Think about, we identify a target, maybe one of those 15% that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And maybe they, maybe there's a co-conspirator that was identified that doesn't have a filing on them. That's part of that 28%. Or just think of any Title 31 investigation, you know, that my team, you know, might initiate after an investigation has already been ongoing. I tie that to the BSA mission. So that's how I make that leap to the uh, that 28 percent. The you mentioned the um, what we know is the SAR activity review teams. And I think there are based on your chart, uh, there's 92 of them that you folks participate or lead in all of them. Uh, just a quick, quick anecdote. Um, I'm very familiar with the Northern Virginia uh, SAR review team because Steve Gerdak, who's a strong supporter, you know, Steve, uh, yep. he, he has for years invited your folks, you know, HSI, state and local, all sorts of law enforcement types to participate in a once a month meeting where uh, they bring in somebody to talk about a particular issue, whether it's crypto or, ransomware, whatever the issue is, and he invites the private sector. So we get to come to those conversations, but we come after your peers and colleagues from law enforcement and these other agencies actually look through the SARS that were filed for that particular month. So we we are well aware of the direct uh, viewing and utilization of SARS here locally, and I'm sure that goes on in these other review teams nationwide. But it's a good example, I think, to our community, meaning the private sector community, of the value proposition that you, our folks, do do the review of the data, do utilize it. I mean, you're telling us this with the, with the chart, of course, but we've seen it firsthand. So I think that's important to mention as well. The fact that IRSCI leads or participates in all of the 92 SAR review teams nationwide. So I uh, wanted to go back to that. Obviously, that's Extremely important. As I mentioned, the Northern Virginia one has shown us up close and personal how valuable the data is, but also the importance of private public partnership. The fact that they invite folks from the private sector to come in and and share information on issues uh, broadly, uh, whatever the key themes are. So I think those SAR review teams are pretty, pretty important uh, to the mission, right? Yeah, boy, I'm glad you said that. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. So, yeah, we do lead or co-lead uh, on all of them in the 92 and 94 districts. And you hit on something there. Um, couldn't agree more. It, so this BSA data, um, you know, and these review teams, it's not only significant because it's such a part of my inventory, as you know, I mentioned earlier, um, but it's also significant due to those public-private partnerships and relationships that are either, you know, maintained, strengthened, or formed, um, you know, with our, you know, law enforcement partners and, and the private sector where it's appropriate. So I, I think the message is, 
And, and, and what should we remember is we're talking to each other and it's really powerful. Uh, right. So I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, that's that's the important part, right? It's not just uh, the IRS review of BSA data, but you're working with your partners. And I think sometimes people get the wrong impression that U.S. attorneys, IRS, that they don't work together. That there's competition. There might be competition high level, but you do work together. And that's important for the AML professional to know, right? I think that's 100%. I mean, you know, when I sit in a room of public-private partners, including our law enforcement counterparts, I mean, nobody sitting in that room can do this job alone. I mean, we all have, you know, diverse skill sets that we bring to the table, and that's when it's really powerful uh, when we're all working together to uh, fight these financial crimes. The um, challenge also came up with some metrics on the sentencing of those convicted and also Another important part of this is asset seizures. You want to talk a bit about those? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I think I've got to set that up uh, just, just uh, ever so slightly. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so when we talk about, um, I gave you the fifteen percent earlier. Um, another way we kind of manipulated this is another data set. Okay, so talked about the direct source, um, but when we looked at all of my new inventory. Um, uh, uh, you know, in fiscal year 22, about 84.2% per of that, okay, all new inventory. Um, the primary target had a BSA filing associated with them. So we might not have opened the case because of a form, but it's just an interesting metric that my team came up with, you know, kind of making us think, hey, are we looking at this data the right way? I mean, how is it that 84% of my targets uh, that we numbered in fiscal 22 have a form, but we're really only sourcing directly from BSA data about 15%. So that's something we're taking away and going to look at it because it's significant. And when I talk about these program areas, I'm talking about, you know, tax violations and other crimes, money laundering, bank secrecy, narcotics, public corruption, terrorist finance, you know, the list goes on. Um, so, so I think that's important. And, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's also important to know that, you know, we partner every day with our domestic and international federal, state, local, you know, county law enforcement counterparts, you know, involving complex, uh, you know, financial transactions. But to get to your point directly, there's another data set that we looked at. OK, because, again, I've got all this data. I mean, here at the IRS, I've got metrics for metrics for metrics. It's just right. the way that we we manipulate it, right? So another data set we looked at was about 83 and a half, 83.6% of all those investigations um, that we recommended for prosecution in fiscal year 22, believe it or not, had a related BSA filing. And I said, oh, geez, okay, well, what's that the past three years? And, and so I looked at that the past three years, everybody that we recommended for prosecution, regardless of the financial crime that we were looking at. Um, so when I look at an average of the past three years, it's pretty darn close. 83.2% of investigations we recommended for prosecution over the last three fiscal years had a primary subject with a related BSA filing. And again, simply just another data set, you know, drilling down. And then to, to get to your point uh, directly, um, of that 83% of recommended prosecutions over the past three fiscal years, about 40% of those, of that data set, made it all the way through the judicial system to a conviction. And so here's where you get to your question. 
of right. that smaller data set, the the number of those cases that that the, the average sentence was about thirty eight months uh, in prison. Um, that that data set you know, was about two hundred twenty five million in assets uh, forfeited. Um, about two hundred fifty six million in restitution ordered by the courts. Um, you know, so pr- pretty significant. And obviously, you know, we have a huge seizure amount there. Um, uh, and that was a couple of those big seizure cryptos, uh, you know, that we were involved in, you know, just this past past year. But again, it just demonstrates we're, we're, we're manipulating this, these metrics to kind of to, to be able to demonstrate to the BSA community, AML specialists specifically, that this information is important. And and I we just this is kind of a first of its kind looks. I've never came out this strong. Um with with uh, direct stats or metrics to actually demonstrate it. No, it's very impressive. And I do think that the AML community does welcome the feedback. We get some from FinCEN through their their um, their data sets it used to be called the SAR review, uh, SAR activity review. And, and now they do some version of that. But to come to come from the various agencies like yours, I think is extremely valuable. Plus, your message is clear, right, that this is being done through the through the value partnership with the private sector that the information that they're uh, sending in is getting reviewed utilized and i think again your statistics certainly make that very very clear i, I want to ask you um part of the thing that uh, that you're most proud of uh, besides the value of all this is that fincen has recognized irsci with their director's law enforcement award a number of times and that's obviously important um you know, both because you want that, I'll call it sort of high level feedback to your agents and, and your analysts that what they're doing is valuable and useful and successful, but also that it's getting recognized outside the agency. So that has to be important uh, to your mission. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you, yeah, you're right. Um, of course. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll just add on to, to my 100 percent agreement with you. Um, we've actually been, you know, through. Uh, Again, through fiscal year 22, we've been um, awarded with the FinCEN Director's Award 11 times since that FinCEN's inception of the program right. in 2015. So, you know, you, one might say, you know, eh, not really a quality or quantitative metric. Um, it simply further demonstrates the importance of BSA data to my team um, of financial crime fighting experts. But to kind of to, to go back just a step of what I said before, it's also incredibly important for the morale of the financial investigators and the AML specialists in industry as well, because, you know, teams receive these awards, you know, simply demonstrating again that not only is the uh, well, simply demonstrating the information is critical to law enforcement and criminal investigations, regardless of what federal law enforcement agencies conduct an investigation. I just, you know, I work for the you know, I lead CI, so of course I'm biased to CI. But uh, you know, this right. this is just critical information to financial crimes, and FinCEN does a nice job recognizing public and private in those awards. Yeah, I think that's important. I know that the number of uh, institutions have received the private sector uh, awards from FinCEN as well. They uh, are not able to disclose who those institutions are, which makes sense because you don't want you don't want it, uh, anyone out there knowing which institutions have, you know, filed SARS or, or done done the work. But still, I know that those institutions really appreciate that recognition. As as you said, so do your team.
and your agents. That's all really, really important. So going forward now, you know, you're going to update the statistics going forward. So you got a baseline now, obviously. So that's, that's important. And this feedback is extremely valuable, obviously, to ongoing support from, from all utilizers, filers, users of the data and all of that. What, what are the things that you're looking to do in 2023, uh, 2023 regarding um, this besides, besides more metrics and information? What, your outreach has been pretty phenomenal. Uh, other outreach events, do you have other things scheduled yet or things you're thinking about for the remaining part of 2023 that the AML community could be watching for? Well, yeah, we're we're uh, we're really involved all over the country in, in a lot of these events. I mean, you know, clearly we do a lot. Uh, well, we do a lot with you, sir. Uh, you know, ACAMS, uh, AML uh, forums in general. You mm-hmm. know, I'll go I'll go out to a casino forum, AML casino forum here later in the year. You know, looking at these metrics, so this isn't a one and done thing right, for us. Right. Mm-hmm. We've already got a. A couple of we've gotten some good feedback from financial institutions and some easy, easy metrics that we can just manipulate a little bit. I'm going to come out and be able to these percentages I'm giving you. I'm going to be able to break that down. Well, how many of these cases are tax versus non-tax? I'm going to be able to break that down. Like, what are the major program areas you're talking about? Think I'm going to be able to tell you. Well, out of this percentage, out of this number, you know, this this number was related to crypto. This number is related to narcotics. Um, you know, as well as the other thing that I can do, again, I, I could do it manually now, but we're trying to get our technology to help us here. Um, one of the things I'm going to be able to do is take these statistics I'm giving you and tell, tell you know, the, the, the financial industry, well, how many of those are CTRs and 8300s and FBARs? You know, so there's sure. a lot we're thinking about. I see this as not, again, not, not a one and done. I'm going to continue down this road. I, I envision multiple phases, uh, you know, uh, and as we talk to the community and the financial industry, they're going to give us feedback and say, yeah, you know what? I hadn't thought about that. Let me see if I can manipulate this data this way. So a lot, lot to come there as far as, uh, um, you know, as what we're going to do with, with this particular challenge. Uh, I see, I envision multiple phases to this. So oh, that's that's great, Jim. And your um, your challenge also mentions that there were more than one point eight million times that investigative personnel searched BSA filings. So obviously that's uh, you're constantly utilizing this. So that can't be emphasized enough. Let me uh, let me get you out of here on this. Um, you know, we're in the beginning part. We're in January 2023. All sorts of financial crime challenges we've had in the past several years from PPP loan fraud to ransomware obviously uh crypto challenges have been massive besides all of those obviously what what do you see as the big challenges both for irsci and and your partners in the private sector what sort of things should we be looking for uh in terms of financial financial crime uh going forward yeah you know you you mentioned a uh a few of them there already that I think are going to be, at least from my seat and my perspective, um, there's going to be a lot in that crypto space. Um, and I feel, you know, in this, in, you know, advancement and advancements in technology is a good thing. I think most 
Well, I think everybody would agree with that. Certainly, my message is advancement in technology is good. But you do have a small fraction there. You know, people are going to try to take advantage of it when it comes to crypto. But I think by, by you know, large part, is it's a good thing. But I think what you're going to start seeing is more of these crypto cases. And, and I'm starting to see a shift in crypto tax cases. Um, you know, what three years ago, it was all crypto money laundering charges. I'm seeing a little bit of shift in my inventory now where about half of it is related to tax. So I expect to see more of that. Wow. I expect to see more, um, and this is here now, but I expect to see more in the international financial crime front. Um, uh, and, you know, I've, I've talked to you before, and maybe I can come back sometime and talk about our Joint Chiefs of Global Tax Enforcement. We refer to it as the J5. We're going right, to yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. have a lot of international operational announcements here, you know, in the very near future. So I see that, you know, professional enablers, that's still going to be out there. I'm always interested in that. I mean, these are the folks that are uh, oftentimes helping the people without the professional enablers, you know, a lot of times these complex financial schemes, which we're really good at unraveling, you can't do that without, you know, this professional enabler community. So I'm going to, yeah, I, I envision a lot in that space as well. So I, yeah, you know, I, I kind of think of it as, you know, it's something that we started with when you sit in a room with a bunch of law enforcement officers and private industry, regardless of the industry, um, you know, none of us in that room, I say this almost every time, can do it um, and be successful um, without working with somebody else. And we all know it. So the more we embrace that public-private partnership, the better off we're going to be. And I, I, I also like to say in a globally connected world, we can't afford not to work together. Um, if we want to have an impact on those committing financial crimes, because there's no borders and people can manipulate the system and move money faster than they ever have because of the technology that's out there. So it's really that kind of global problem requires a global solution. And when we work together, it makes that world just a, a really small place for these criminal actors that, to, to try to facilitate these financial crimes. It's a good way to close this out. Jim Lee, um, IRS CI chief, really do appreciate both spending the time today to walk us through some of this, but more importantly, the work that you and your agents do with the private sector, it's clear that you do embrace the partnership. And, uh, and that's so important as you're right. Uh, we can make the world a little smaller for financial crime and terrorist financing and all the other issues that we grapple with on a, on a regular day-to-day basis. And it's just so important that we better understand one another. You know, what do you need from us? What do we need from you? And this feedback is tremendous. So Jim, thank you so much for doing this. And we will definitely do some further conversations on some of these other issues that you've alluded to or mentioned today. But thanks so much, uh, Jim. Uh, We appreciate the time and we will talk again soon. Thank you, sir, for the opportunity. And thanks to all those AML specialists out there.